Hello there, chummers, and welcome back to the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast, a Shadowrun 4th Edition actual play podcast. In episode 23, the team goes back to Samovar and meets with Prokop. Cecile plays the Karen card, and there are some side deals made. Some shopping is done, and Deandra appears to threaten a knight-errant officer who is her friend. As always, featuring Veronica as Cecile, Beth as Grace, a.k.a. Nightingale, Kat as Deandra, and Val as Ollie, a.k.a. Boxer. I'm really happy that you are joining us on this journey and hope you enjoy it. If you do, please tell your friends and leave us a positive review. We are available on most podcast services, YouTube, iTunes, etc. You can also find a link to our Discord server in the podcast description and on the YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you, and we share a lot of in-game pay data there as well, such as maps, intros, fluff, and character stories. On to other topics, only tangentially Hard Knock Sorority related. As I'm sure runners of your caliber already know, there is a lot of excellent Shadowrun content available on The Matrix. Podcasts that inspired me to start this show, podcasts that reminded me of my love of Shadowrun, and podcasts that I find aspirational. I'm going to start promoting some of these shows at the beginning of this show in an effort to give back and hopefully help you discover some of the great work other content creators have and are putting out. This episode's promo goes out to the Berlin It's a Bug, Not a Feature podcast, hosted by my friend Igni. This is a German language podcast set in Berlin, and I have been enjoying the dreck out of it. If you, like me, like the idea of a double tap of Shadowrun and German with shrapnel of Berlin mixed in, please give them a listen. You won't be disappointed. Yo, Shadow Pants, here's a shadow fact for you. Berlin. It's a bug. Not a feature. Not a feature. We are a German actual play Shadowrun podcast. Oi, Oma. Willkommen in Berlin. Willkommen im Status F. Ein Shadowrun 6 Actual Play Podcast. Yeah, that's right. A fucking German Actual Play. Our podcast is edited fast-paced, with super high production value, and the sound design is top-notch. In our AP, we focus on character development and immersive storytelling. Oh, come on, ChatGPT, that is so fucking generic. Absolutely bullshit, nothing saying. You need to highlight the things that set us apart from other actual plays. Like that we are very, very focused on the rules. Because we play in Germany, and in Germany you play by the rules. Also, fun fact, we only use military march music for the score. Yeah, okay, that's a total lie. But anyhow. Slot your Saxonian lingo soft and give us a listen everywhere where you find podcasts. And now back to the show. All right, chummers, back to our previously scheduled episode of the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget, watch your back, conserve your ammo, leave the flechette rounds in the box, and never ever make a deal with the dragon. There's a long fighter with what to order for breakfast. Thank <laughs> you.
specifically Bean Dare cousins. They're her fangirls. How she has fangirls? I have no fucking clue. Knowledge washing clothes. <laughs> Nightingale expresses her frustration and that she's not being properly respected as a savior. That's a spell? I was just <clears throat> reading my I've got I you know I write all keep all my stuff in in OneNote for the game. And I realized that when I go to read view, it will actually read my text to me. And it sounds weird. I was hoping you could hear it because it sounded so. You could stream to us uh, the what you call it, the window and play it for us. No, I can't. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, I don't know if we feel like going through this right now. Let's <laughs> just no. <laughs> Well, it's not that hard. <laughs> Surely. It's really easy. Discord makes it very easy. It is actually just two buttons, but also, like... Paul later. is Paul. Hey, that's not fair. I'm sure he's very technically gifted. Well, For his time. Okay. For his time. <laughs> I can see it. I'm, I'm just saying, he, he does still appear to use a flip phone. It's like how the Christians were progressive for their time. <clears throat> you guys. All right, so we'll get started in the way that we usually do. It's evening in the Metroplex. Again, still, always, always. When does the sunlight ever filter down to street level here anymore? Why is it that only the shadows seem to thrive in Seattle? We are watching a familiar figure trudge down the busy Renton streets, disconsolately passing the pretty laughing night people and the worn down daytime salary people hurrying home. It's Mr. Johnson in his cheap Hugo Boss Bitch Shadowware knockoff. His hood hood is pulled up over his head and down around his face, and his big AR goggles are glowing faintly. We see what he sees, overlaid over the in-real-life street life he is pushing his way through. We're going to be fucked for being mean to him. Paul... Paul, there was a technical difficulty you cut out um, whenever you mentioned, in. you said in real life. Yep. It wasn't actually a technical difficulty. Well, it was sort of a technical difficulty on my end. I didn't know how to, uh, while I was in this view, to scroll down. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there was a technical difficulty. <laughs> I mean, accountants. <clears throat> We see what he sees, overlaid over the unreal street life he is pushing his way through. A young woman, her blonde hair pulled back in a perfect ponytail and her skin glowing with youthful vigor, is sitting in what appears to be a well-lit and furnished common area of an apartment building. The walls are adorned with night-errant recruitment posters. Her crystal blue eyes are cold and indifferent as she stares into the camera. Oh, no. I am. <clears throat> Look, Mr. DeVries. I don't know how you got the idea that there was anything between us but a professional relationship. You were my supervisor and I was an intern. Once that internship ended, our professional relationship did too. I want to make this as clear as possible, Mr. DeVries. We have no relationship and I don't want any relationship of any kind. Please make no further attempts to contact me or otherwise insinuate yourself into my life. The video ends. On the street, Mr. Johnson stops. His hands are clenched into fists at his sides. 
Surprised by the sudden obstruction in the flow of pedestrians, a group of young-looking elves in fashionable nightwear run into him, shouldering him aside. He stumbles awkwardly as the elves gracefully recover, laughing and apologizing insincerely. Mr. Johnson's face twists in sudden impotent rage. The enormity of his insignificance and impotence are tearing at him, personified by the beautiful lithe creatures accosting him, mocking him with their perfect clothes and mannerisms and alien language. Suddenly his pistol is in his hand, extended before him and pointing at the elves. The huge gun feels heavy and alive as his hands shake. He sees the sudden flare of fear in the elves' eyes. Power. Respect. How hard could it be for that slitch to look at him like this, like he deserves? That's right, dandelion eaters. Frag off, or you'll find out who you're dealing with. I'll send you back to Terraslar in pieces for disrespecting me. The elf in the lead, a tall raven-haired dandy, holds out his hands in a placating gesture. The fear fades from his face quickly and is replaced with a kind of sadness, almost pity. We're sorry for the offense, Ome. His right hand held out in front of him gestures strangely. We meant no offense. You'll forgive us and forget us, he says. A strange expression replaces the anger on Mr. Johnson's face. I'll forgive you this time. Forget it. Forget. He looks at the pistol, puzzled, and then back out. The elves have vanished, and the flow of the pedestrians parts around him. He quickly holsters the pistol. The anger is starting to rise in his face again, though. That's slitch. Those fragging Shadowrunners. They're going to pay, he mutters as he begins walking again. But first the slitch. Kimmy slitch. He continues to mutter as he hails a green cab. The camera pans up into the sky, and we watch the moon rise through the veil of industrial strength haze that hangs over ever-present in Seattle. Then it pans back down, still over Renton, and zooms into a modern, clean corporate campus that we have seen before, and into what can only be a residential dormitory, dormitory common area. A now familiar blonde human female is sitting on a sofa with several other people of various metatypes. They are all dressed in the same black and gold athletic gear. Her calm is buzzing gently as the group converses quietly. Kimmy Antonson looks down at it, and her somber demeanor flashes into exasperation. Seriously? She says. The little Drexstein is calling me back. She picks up the comm and puts it on speaker as he as she answers. I told you not to call me, you little Drexstein, she starts. But the voice of Dante DeVries, a.k.a. Mr. Johnson, cuts her off. I spent all of my savings on you, making sure you were safe, and this is how you repay me? The least you could do was meet me and tell me to my face. But no, you have to send my runners back on me and humiliate me. Mr. DeVries, she cuts in sharply, I don't owe you anything, least of all an explanation, and I don't need you to keep me safe. I can handle myself. And while we're on the subject, if I wanted to come and humiliate you, I would do it myself instead of some sending some runners after you. You're not worth the effort. But if you keep harassing me, you will find out what I am capable of, she says, her voice rising. Dante, suddenly cowed by her sharp response, starts to whine. No, no, you don't understand. I hired a team of Drek hot runners to find you and make sure you were okay. It cost me all of my savings. That's how much I care about you, Kimmy. You hired shadow runners to find me? Her voice is suddenly colder, if that is possible. Yes, yes, but you're missing the point, Kimmy. I did it because of what we had, of how I feel for you. She cuts him off. Who gave you the recording of me telling you to frag off, Dante? What does it matter, Kimmy? Just come and meet me so that we can talk about this. I'm not giving up on you, Kimmy. Dante. This is important. If you want me to come meet you, tell me who gave you the recording. My team did, okay? Are we going to meet now? He asks plaintively. 
Yeah, I'll meet you, Dante. Be at Greasy Ben's in one hour. We could go somewhere nice, he starts to say, but Kimmy disconnects her calm. Kimmy looks up at the cadets sitting around her. I told you Sarge came by and told me there was some dreckhead snooping around after me. Turns out it was my supervisor from Federated Boeing. I recorded a message for Sarge to take take to the guy and put the pressure on him to back off. The others are watching her attentively. It wasn't Sarge who gave it to this slag. It was some Shadowrunners he hired. And now Sarge is missing, presumed dead. I see we go grab this little dreckhead and stash him somewhere quiet. Find out what happened to Sarge. Let's go do some real police work and make those shadow scum pay. The others are nodding in assent. The face is dark and angry as they stand up. That's it. Oh, God. <clears throat> it's wheel turned down. Yeah, that checks out. This sounds like woe to me. Woe. Like, we're going to have a good time. Like, uh, W-O-E. Like, wheel and woe. It sounds like woe to me. No, it will be fine. I see. Okay. So we should have killed him. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the right... Uh, uh, the best takeaway we're supposed to be getting here. The takeaway is we should have killed him. But that's not nice. But we, sh- we should have killed him in a, an extremely civilian area after being seen very publicly meeting with him. Okay, okay, listen, 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 listen. He had access to her number the entire fucking time. No, I think it's implied that he found it later. Oh, we should have killed him. That's all I'm saying. We should have killed him. That's my take. That's my hot take. I don't think Ice or Boxer would have gone on, gone gone with that. Neither would have Grace, but we should have killed him. <laughs> anyway. I don't think anyone in our party is a murderer, but we should have killed him. Someone should have killed him. You should have killed him. No, you should have killed him. I mean, he's a little sleaze. It sounds like he's about to get killed anyways. Good. Good riddance. Jesus. Sexually abusing his interns? Ugh. Well, he wasn't sexually abusing them, just harassing. There's a difference. He was he was being a nice guy, which <laughs> oh my god, those are so fucking common. Yeah. Yeah. Like all they, of us have common dump, right? All be, the girls. I think the takeaway nice from it is really just that there are always consequences to one's actions and one doesn't always know what they're gonna be. This is true. We kinda we're kinda yeah. We, we. Cecile is not included in that statement. <laughs> I mean, neither am I. I'm just, like, a paracritter lull. From outer space. It definitely can't be held responsible for their actions. It's just a little horse from outer space. We can't be mean to it. It doesn't know what it's doing. All Look right. at it. Where did we leave off last session? Last session, what when we left off, everybody had piled into the van and was leaving Greasy Ben's, and I personally presumed that you were thinking that you were going to go ahead to meet with Brokop and get your money for your for the other part of the run. Yes. I also definitely wrote that down. Yes. Boxer yeah. will finally be able to gain <laughs> muscle mass. Muscle mass. Mm, I'm I'm thinking about where I should spend my karma. And I'll finally be able to like spend money on something other than enough ammunition to kill God and all his angels. Yeah, so when we left off the team was in the van. Are you headed anywhere specifically, and who's driving? Obviously, uh, Boxer is driving. That's not what I said. You're putting words in my mouth. I imagine Dinder's on her bike, on her motorcycle. With the sidecar. With the sidecar. Put the horse in the sidecar. That would be awesome. (laughs) See, see, I would love to do that, but I also don't want to, you know, you know, 
go uh, overt and have like the entirety of Seattle want my skin and or to like induct me into their organization personally. Maybe you should just do that and just get it over with. <laughs> I think you should get it over with when you have a bit more ammunition. I can help. I'll get I'll get it over with whenever I have better connections and I don't have, you know, already several people chasing after me. That seems prudent. People's chasing after you? Well, have you well confirmed at least this? five individuals. The party. <laughs> oh my god, that's what you meant. That's funny. That's so fucking stupid. We also had the four for the, the what do you call it, that came over because, uh, yeah. I'm just checking to see how well you guys have been paying attention, that's all. <laughs> I feel like I've been paying good attention. All right, so have we arrived at the... Uh... At Samovar? I remain convinced that's from a game, from the Dragonfall game. <clears throat> well. Aw, I'm so hopeful. I love how he, like, thought about it. Mm. Boxer going to the back entrance. All right, because that's what too you know. conspicuous. You pull up the van into the uh, in behind to the loading dock area, and as usual, you see the uh, the security team out on the dock behind the door or by the door, and you see and Grace sees the uh, the spirits that she's seen before that seem to be guarding and patrolling the area. The two large wolf-like animals in spirit. That invariably make her a little bit uneasy, although they don't seem to be paying attention too much to you. The security team is made up of uh, several large figures who appear to be, who look like your standard street Sam types and uh, probably an elven mage. And uh, as you walk up to them, <clears throat> the elven mage holds out his hand for a moment as if to say, hang on for a second. And then he, he appears to be looking at something in astral grace you in particular notice this um and then he uh steps aside and and the door opens and the woman uh <clears throat> that you've met before who ushered you in last time is uh opening opening the door for you and ushering you in with sort of a unspoken greeting just sort of a head nod okay there not the seal is walking briskly you walk into the corridor that sort of functions as an airlock and the, the door closes behind you before the front one before the next one opens and you feel sort of a slight breeze as the air cycles and then the next door opens and you ahead of you hear the music from the club and uh, Nadia ushers you through the curtain the, the thick red velvet curtain into the club and towards the uh, the VIP area where you've met Prokop before and he's sitting there drinking tea watching there's a Group of Sasquatches on on stage actually singing. Um, <laughs> Is that any good? <clears throat> well, it depends if you like a lot of strange and odd vocal harmonies and uh, their ability to imitate sounds and voices. Is is legendary. So you've they're sort of all sort of harmonizing and sort of it's not just song. It's not words that you're understanding. It's more sounds that put feelings in. You know put feelings into sound and mixed with sounds of nature. And, you know, it's like having a very heavily sampled kind of vocal song going on that doesn't really have any content that you understand. And <clears throat> you notice that the, uh, the crowd at Samovar is quite light tonight, probably because the music is so esoteric. Cecile makes a puzzled expression at the show on display, but continues walking pretty quickly towards uh, Prokop. 
Nightingale lingers and listens before taking after Sissel. Yeah, I would imagine that for Nightingale, it probably is very interesting. Very, yeah. Especially since, uh, you know, this is the first time that she, I think she's probably seen... Um, more than one Sasquatch. More than one Sasquatch in a group. And I don't know if you've ever vocalized anything with uh, Miss Magnumfoot. We, we, they tend to text, I imagine. Miss Magnumfoot may make like certain noises, like when she's, say, passing by as a kind of like, excuse me, but I don't reckon it's really. Yeah. <clears throat> Sasquatches aren't known for learning language in spite of their vocal range. It's more a, more a, a sense that they actually refuse to learn languages rather than that they can't. It's not even that they don't learn the languages. It's that they never take up speaking those languages, right? Mm-hmm. Right. More refuse to speak than learn. <clears throat> Is there a chair opposite Praka? Yes. The, um, <clears throat> those r- plush red velvet um, chaise lounges are around the table, and there's a the samovar is on the table with the candles lit underneath of it, and there's a crystal plate with uh, which look like nice pastries and some uh, crystal cups with some gold filigree on them. And as you approach, Prokop stands up and uh, greets you with a smile and, and motions you to sit down. Seal was sitting down before he did anything. Oh, he saw you coming, so he he stood up in time. Just mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> and Grace, you're in. You're. Have you taken dog form? Um, well, it's relatively sparse, the path going from the back to here, right? Yes, you're not going it's through really the public. And their back is turned towards you. You're actually behind the main public area. Yeah, she she comes through without, like, her, her spells up. She just has, like, the, the color of her cloak turned up a bit to obscure her actual features. Prokop so, motions you to a lounge, and, and he asks, well, thank you for... Uh, for joining us in your in your uh, true form, Miss mm-hmm. Nightingale. <clears throat> You're welcome. However, if this chase, if these chase lounges are uncomfortable for you, I can arrange to have some other form of uh, seating brought. Hold on, quickly looking up what chase lounges look like. Those are the ones with the uh, like the bin in them, right? Right. He would ask for a stool or something else that's flat. He motions to to Nadia and she she leaves to go bring you one. Prokop speaks with a. Uh, not a thick, but a, a noticeable uh, Russian accent. You've all noticed this before. I'm not going to attempt to freeform it. But, and uh, he offers everybody a, a cup of tea and ice, just sits down and motions it away. He says, I don't know if the rest of you want a cup of tea or a cook or a pastry. Not this time. I would like a cookie. Deandre would ask for another cup of coffee, probably. Coffee, please. Ah, yes, the coffee drinkers. Very well. He motions towards the bar where the bartenders are, and in a few minutes, uh, everybody has a beverage of their choice, and um, Grace has a a more comfortable seating arrangement. And then he looks at the group and uh, finally looks at Boxer and and Dander and says, "Well, my understanding is that you've you secured the target, and then things went slightly awry." Slightly, Cecile mm-hmm. says. Yes, slightly is not that. Quite the correct word for it. His head exploded. It could have been worse. Well, you are still alive, and you did gain at least some useful information, I take it. Oh, yes, quite. It only came at the expense of us being covered in somebody's brains, sir. Yes, that... 
Some of us were more covered in brains than others. He looks at Boxer and he says, are we uh, fully recovered at this point or do we need require healing? We were able to collectively take care of most of it. However, I do recommend further attention, particularly to Diandia. I'm fine. I'm a medical professional. No, like, I, I, don't, I don't have any stun damage or physical damage left. I am fine. I recommend a follow-up. So what did you find out? Uh, no, no. Before we talk about that, I would like to mention that I do not appreciate being sent into a circumstance in which things are exploding without around me without being told beforehand. She looks very upset. <laughs> Prokop looks bemused and glances at the rest of the team. He appears to be suppressing a chuckle. I thought we told you it was going to be dangerous. Dangerous is not the same thing as having somebody's head exploded in front of you. At least it wasn't your head. This time. Boxer snorts a bat. I, I don't know what notions you got about the company I keep, but if this is how most missions are going to go, I don't think this is going to work out. I need to be informed ahead of time with like a threat assessment. Well, I believe that is actually part of your responsibilities in the team. You expect me to do work for free? No. When it pertains to your own well-being, yes. But if you accept the job, then threat assessment is probably part of the job. Yeah. Um, we are, we're an enterprise unto ourselves, just like anyone else who works outside of the main line of society. We have to be able to support and function without others as a unit. And that means that we have to be able to gather the intelligence we need to know what we should be preparing for. I think it was, if unexpected, foreseeable that there was going to be something along those lines. And it was preventable. I just don't know how. Mm, yes. Meanwhile, your staff that you had placed there completely missed it as well. My staff? You had people there, no? Yes. Their responsibility was solely to... Observe the uh, the security the security system at the facility. Oh, I see, I see. So you're sending us off to dangerous missions against people who could blow up people's heads at their command, and you just want us to be able to know that ahead of time. Yes, you have right. ascertained the situation correctly. I'll factor that into my pricing, Mister. Wait, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure, like. He had something in his head, or he had taken something. Yes, he had a cranial bomb. Whatever that is, there wasn't any magic involved. It's not like they they just did a ritual and made his brains explode. He he looks a little bit aside and he says, that's actually a very good analogy. It, It wasn't magic, but in a sense, it was magic. It was technological magic, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't really make sense at first. I, I just, he, he got distressed suddenly and then he exploded. And then I wondered if that was something that metahumans can do. I and mean, then, yeah. it was probably the explosive priming within his head. I've, told, I've been told it's very uncomfortable. For all we know, he didn't know he had one before that point. I speaks up at this point and says, I don't think he knew. Somebody had an insurance policy on the man. Yes, and uh, Cecile looks very visibly agitated. I understand the, the the danger of being shot at. That's fine. That's whatever. But if we are going up against people that can secretly implant cranial bombs in whomever they please, that that is not something I would like to be put into without prior warning. Because I'm absolutely certain that there's no, uh, how do you say, 
getting out of that situation that you've placed us in? No, but I don't know if I placed you in that situation as much as you did when you stole that file. That you- yes, yes, that. Look, for as long as I am doing work for you, that file doesn't. I don't care. That happened ago, not now. Now, you sent us on a mission to kidnap a police chief who then exploded in front of us, nearly killing some of us. That is correct. And the the mission to kidnap this man is related to the file. Remember, what we're doing here actually is attempting to extricate you from the situation you find yourself. Well, how lovely. In the future, please do let me know if we are going to be running up against anyone else who might explode. Either that or I'll have to buy something. Figure that out. He grins slightly, slightly evilly. And as he looks at the seal and said, have you had any cyberware done? What? No. Good. Should be safe from cranial bombs. That's uh, right. I, I, would, I would be able to detect it, right? You would, I, yes. I could, just, I could look at any of you, well, m- most of you, and tell you if there's something wrong with you. Mm, only if it was done sloppily. Some of the more recent cranial bombs and cyberware are actually very undetectable when performed quite well. In Astral, she'd probably be able to see it. Deltaware has a higher threshold for detection. Well, be that as it may, you're, uh, if you haven't had any cyberware implanted or haven't been in the hospital and unconscious as far as you know, you're probably safe. The idea that somebody would have put a cranial bomb in a, well, lowly college student researcher is, is somewhat preposterous. Until you rise to the rank of police sergeant, Cecile, I suggest you're probably safe. I'm not worried about me exploding. I'm worried about someone else. Uh, it is very likely that in the future, you will experience similar events. Love. So now you are warned. Now we can move on. He reaches into his jacket and pulls out a handful of cred sticks. Huh? Nightingale okay. steals one, like from his hand, for psychokinesis. Just one. He looks surprised and then amused. And she's, uh, she's holding it in front of herself and like rotating it around and looking at all sides of it. Very excitedly, like a kid on Christmas. The seal takes hers in a huff. So as we had discussed, we were going to get this man, George Van Housen. We were going to attempt to extract information from him regarding Ice's erstwhile colleague, Rigor Mortis. Yes, yes, yes. We already know where he is. Good. So you've earned your payment. For now. So that leads us to the next part of the job, if you wish to accept, obviously. The, I don't accept anything without reading the terms first. The confirmation that rigor mortis is alive and his safe and successful extraction. Who, who, who is this rigor mortis person exactly? Why are they important? Ah, yes. So rigor mortis, at this point, Ice gets up and walks away. He, went, he heads to the bar. Rigor mortis is, uh, or was a friend of, of Ice's. Rigor mortis was the rigor on Ice's team that was involved in the uh, involved in the run that I set up many years ago that led up to the events that ended up with he points to Cecile or waves his hand in Cecile's direction that ended up with Cecile here finding an old file regarding that event and we thought he had died but I recently saw found a picture of this man George Van Housen who was related to this incident, recognized him for who he was, and realized that we had an opportunity to either get revenge or confirm that that rigor mortis was alive or dead. I believe looking at the feeds from the cameras, 
in the warehouse where George Van Housen was killed that George Van Housen explained the what had happened to you to some extent. But if you would like, I'd, I'd be happy to, to go over it again. Perhaps you can give detail. us more detail than the late police chief. It would probably be good. We're going to have to go back quite a ways. Um, he refills his tea and picks that up a case, cookie. I would like to think that is a little harder, please. He motions to the bar and, and a tray arrives with several smaller glasses and a uh, a bottle of amber liquid on it. Meaning Gail would have asked for harchata whenever her boxer asks for something alcoholic. Maybe with a little bounce on her seat. I wonder if they would have horchata. It's just uh it's just milk with cinnamon. Mm-hmm. All right. So you Sounds get nice. you get your horchata. She uh, she gives the, the waiter her thanks and then like obviously processes that uh they probably shouldn't see her or know that she can talk and then just smiles at them and like promptly looks away because that they're not there anymore. Actually, let's do this then. The waitress does not visibly react to your speaking or your appearance. She's seen enough things in this club to not necessarily be surprised or startled, or if she is... He's kind of enough at hiding in it. Okay. So as you're getting your drinks and, and looking, you see that uh, Ice has found a seat at the bar and is uh, is sitting there drinking and apparently ignoring whatever's going on with you guys and, and Procup for whatever reason. Procup is eating a... Uh, a cookie that has some sugar dusting on it, which is slowly sprinkling down the front of his shirt. And every now and then he distractedly sort of wipes it away, which just makes it a little bit worse. And uh, he's drinking tea. Who is this? Pro Cup? Pro Cup. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought I was imagining him in a suit. What is he wearing right now? Pretty much wearing what I showed you last time. Let's see. Really. He's Sprinkle he's a cookie. And he's like getting sugar all over his suit. And he's eating sprinkly cookies. Ah. Oh my god. And you're that rich you don't care. Yeah, that's fair. Yes, his 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 cigarette with the uh in a business the, meeting though. It's not like where he can do anything about it. It's probably you're probably not seeing it as a business meeting at this point. C- Cecile is judging him a little bit for his lack of decorum, but the rest of you probably don't care. Miguel <laughs> is just surprised. She's like, wait, they do that? And he's got his uh, his cigarette, which has a very, actually a very strong, but not necessarily unpleasant smell to it. So he starts to understand the situation fully. And he looks at Seal. And if you haven't taken the time yet to read the file that you have, it, this will outline some of this, but it's not comp- in any case. We have to go back about 25 years um, at a time when a company that we now know as Evo uh, was still called Yamatetsu. Yamatetsu was very, um, how should I say, a very, um, a very Japanese corporation with all of the trappings that one can imagine, the anti-meta-human policies and similar. Yamatetsu was led by a man named Hideo Yoshida. No, sorry, he corrects himself. Yamatetsu was not led by Hideo Yoshida at the time. Hideo Yoshida has led Yamatetsu, but at the time that this happened, he was not Tetsu. A man named uh, Shiba no Kuji was. In any case, Hideo Yoshida wanted control of Yamatetsu. And Hideo Yoshida is also a very pro-Japanese, anti-meta-human agitator. Yoshida's 
cabal of insiders attempting to take over Yamatetsu um, tried to murder Tadamako's Tadamako. Um, and they did it by having framing his nurse his nurse for for her for his murder. He looks a little bit amused. Yes. That all sounds very confusing. In any case, they framed his nurse and replaced her memories to show that a certain free spirit named Buttercup, who is a Evo shareholder, had administered the fatal dose of his nurse's name was Akami. And Akami fled to Seattle to escape Yamatetsu and Buttercup. Um, a woman named Mary Luce hit her here. Mary Luce is the head of Evo North America. She's Evo North America's CEO. Now, she wasn't at the time, but she was a fairly important person in Yamatetsu. In any case, Yoshida's, Yoshida hired a team of shadow runners to capture um, Akamai and return her to Japan. The fixer that they hired was me. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't understand. At the time, I was very new to the shadows. And they didn't tell me what the whole story was. They simply told me that they were looking for this woman, Akamai, who was uh, suspected of having attempted to murder the head of Yamatetsu and put together a team of shadow runners to do that. That was Ice's team that I put together. Ice's team found Akamai in the protection of Mary Luce and reported that to me. And then my Mr. Johnson ordered me to have the runners, Ice's team, kill Mary Luce and kidnap Akamai to be returned to Japan. At the time, this all dovetailed fairly neatly with the news coming out of Japan about the murder or the attempted murder of the uh, Yamatetsu, the president of Yamatetsu. So it all seemed fairly up and up. In any case, it was a frame job. Um, and when ISIS team went to capture um, Akamai, they were ambushed by a team of Lone Star operatives, vigilantes known as Shadow Riders, who were led by none other than George Van Housen, at the time a captain in Lone Star. Uh, obviously, the run went bad. ISIS team was all either killed or captured. ISIS escaped and uh, went into hiding. And I went into hiding too as for a long time. And now what appears to have happened is that Akamai and Mary Luce were vindicated. The cabal that was trying to kill Taramako Shibanokuji, the, the head of Yamatetsu, was exposed and reprimanded. Hideo Yoshida, actually still the, uh, the CEO of Evo South America. So he was able to maneuver his way out of the situation. But uh, the file that Cecile found was basically an investigation, the results of the investigation to the situation. The file was thought lost in the crash 2.0, but apparently poking around some of Evo's old servers, she stumbled on an old Yamatetsu server and uh, the file has attached itself to her com. Once it became known that the file had been activated, well, some of the people who had been instrumental in framing ISIS team and attempting to mur murder Mary Luce and, and Akamai are now trying to cover that up. They would like that file gone. They would like anybody who's read it gone. And so when I found out that, I saw, um, and I knew that George Van Housen was alive again, I saw a means to an end to basically kill two birds with one stone. We can clear Cecile's name. I can find out what happened to rigor mortis and 
and end our friend Ice's guilt that he's felt for all these years of leaving his team behind. So, and as a side fringe benefit, I get to meet all of you and set up a new team. Wait, I'm and everyone wins. Except for George Van Housen, who lost. I may have missed this somewhere in what you were saying. What do we do about Evo being, you know, wanting at least one of us dead? I don't think Evo wants, it's Evo that wants Cecile dead. I think it's the people who originally hired me to capture Akamai and who tried to frame ISIS team for the attempted murder and those are people associated with Buttercup. They are associated with a man who goes by the name of Hideo Yoshida. Okay, Hideo Yoshida. And Hideo Yoshida is the head of Evo South America. Interestingly oh. enough, considering his anti-metahuman past, he recently um, emerged. I don't know if that's the right word, but... He is thought to be potentially a, he looks a little bit puzzled. He underwent, he underwent surge and they think, I, th- I think the term I've heard is obsidian, although I'm not Seal smiles cruelly. Sure. Obsid, obsid, what? Oh, I've read about those things. That's quite a cruel fate for him. Yes. Considering the fact that he was virulently anti-metahuman. Hmm. Quite a rare affliction indeed. So he looks at you, he says, he looks at Cecilia, he says, but I think that all of this offers a potential out for you. If Mm. we look at that file, find out who potentially set up this run, because I don't know the, the actual name of the, the fixer who set me and ice up, but if it's in that file, we can find it and we can either, my opinion, one of the, ways we can get you out from underneath of this Cecile is we give that file either to Mary Luce or Hideo Yoshida. Mm. With Mary Luce probably being the safest bet. Indeed. Because if if the people who set this run up don't want this stirred back up, if you can basically give this to Mary Luce, which is what they don't want, then it's done and they don't have any further incentive to hunt you. If only that were the case. Oh, no, no. They don't care about any of that. It's unlikely. Once the information has been given to the person that they don't want it, that they don't want to have it, there's no further profit in Do we even know if this Mary Luce is still operating? Mary Luce is the CEO of Evo North America. Hmm. If you get her gratitude, then you will have a powerful benefactor, potentially. Nominally, anyway, correct? Nominally, but also one who sits at the same level on the Evo board as Hideo Yoshida. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you give it to Hideo Yoshida, there is still some incentive to come after you because he can't be sure that you haven't read it or have a copy of it. Mm. That's true. So alongside retrieving rigor mortis, our goal is to leak that file, not leak, but get the file to and get in contact with the CEO of Evo North America. I I, I forget her name. Mary Luce. Mary Luce. That's, that's, uh, that's the correct summary, right? Well, the last part, the part pertaining to Cecile, is entirely up to you. Oh. It's a plan that I have devised as you were 
looking for George Van Housen, which I think would work. But it's up to you to decide whether that is the optimal strategy or whether you would like to take another course. Right. I'll, I shan't look at the file yet, because if, if this, uh, what's his name, Hideo Yoshida, if he is in the, in the business of cutting off loose ends, I would rather not be a loose end, so to speak. Quite. You'll have to prove that you haven't accessed this information. And that will be quite difficult if I actually have. Which, don't they have magicians that she, like, raises a hoof and does a little circling motion at the side of her head? I'm sure they can tell whether or not I'm lying, and so I would rather not like to be lying. Quite. Well, the other interesting thing is I don't think that it's Hideo Yoshida who is currently trying to find you and kill you. Oh, that's comforting. I don't think that he's still not necessarily concerned, but thinking about it. My main suspicion lies with the man who hired me to hire the Shadowrunners to commit the deeds. And that name is on that file. Mm. I shall think about this. In the meantime, let's discuss rates for this rigor mortis extraction. Indeed. He looks at Cecile slyly. However, I believe I just paid you. Uh Aha. You are a funny man, Prokop. At that point, Nyangal goes to stick the cred stick into her comm link, kind of fuddling with it while she does, until it finds its place. How much did they pay us? I forget. Can you read it directly, or do you have to insert it into another device? Uh, I think you can read it directly. Oh, it's just my understanding down and that you it. can't read it directly, because it's like an authenticated device that's secure and blah blah blah, but like... Hand wave, who cares? It's money, you have it, whatever. Yes, you each have a cred stick with, was it 10,000? 15,000. <sighs> and you're rich. My, my, my cred stick was half because uh, Prokop was going to help me set up a network. What, what's, what's his name? The, the guy. George, George Van Housen. Yes, this is the payment for finding George Van Housen. Taking him off the street and getting actionable information, which I believe that you have accomplished. Hirsch, that's a lot of money. Mm. Cecile appears to be thinking. So, the plan of action is that I shall have to do some more digging into this Warehouse Alliance's files and servers in order to locate his exact location within their corporate structure. After that, we'll have to infiltrate the facility. Or, well, at least you three will. And then we'll have to escort him back here safely, hopefully without every anyone knowing. Is that... Would you prefer no one knowing, or is it okay if someone knows? That he has been extracted? Indeed. I don't know if it matters, to be honest. If he's alive and he is indeed being held by this company called Warehouse Alliance, then we would like to rescue him. Presumably. I don't imagine the work he's doing is very fulfilling. Well... There's that, and then there's the the obligation of comradeship. He was a member of ICE's team, and we were betrayed, and I know that ICE feels more than a little bit guilty about the fact that he never came back and looked for his friend. He did think that rigor mortis was dead, but now he's found out that he was actually alive these last 20, 25 years. Yes, yes. So what shall you be paying us for all this work? Well, I think I've paid you with information. He smiles slyly again. Let's call it a discount. Then he looks at the rest of the team. Well, I think it's at least as worth as much as 
the capture and extraction of George Van Housen. He says that very matter-of-factly. When I served, we got hazard pay. This is a hazardous mission, more so than the last. And even then, she lets her thoughts trail off the end, the end clearer. He looks at all of you again and says, yes, well, it's very likely that any job that I hire you for as a team is going to be hazardous. The when hazard... And when I served, it was possible for any, say, logistics driver to encounter a landmine. This does not mean that we who served more directly did not receive additional compensation. There's a distinction between merely the possibility and the certainty of encountering enemy forces, and I expect to be compensated accordingly. I... I'm sympathetic to to your to your position. However, I would like to point out that I don't think this warehouse alliance is uh, especially secure as far as corporations go, or at least I have no reason to believe that. Cecile, you understand that I believe it was four, no five, lightly armed, armored, and let's be frank, trained security almost. Mm -hmm compromised many of our ability to function in the long term, to put it gently. We weren't prepared for that, though. Our ability to fight a threat is not related to the actual threat that it has. There will be a greater threat. We accordingly deserve a greater pay. This will... Our last mission wasn't necessarily planned to be wet work, but this one will most certainly turn out to be wet work. And I understand that wet work demands a higher pay rate. We're not going to be killing anyone. Well, I a couple of points to make there. First of all, how much danger you experience and how much actual combat and potential killing has to happen depend will depend a lot on your planning. I don't know if you are a team who likes to go in hard and heavy, guns blazing, or whether you like to find more subtle methods to achieving your goals. Well, whatever our methods, I don't think that it will affect the pay rate too much. However, I do not think this mission specifically wants hazard. If we raise a fuss about hazard pay now, he's not exactly going to believe us when there's actually a dangerous mission going on. How is she saying that? Is she saying that out loud? Yes. I don't know, Norm girl. I don't know what you know about corpse sec facilities, especially the ones that house prisoners, but. I would expect this won't exactly be a walk in the park, even sure. for um, people of our ability, I guess. Or especially for people of our ability. This is most certainly a job that does require hazard pay. And I would say that there is a non-zero chance of us getting involved in some kind of intense firefight in this one. Who has uh It sounds like you guys are trying to make a negotiation role. <laughs> yes. So let's we've 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 uh, role played out the negotiation. Let's let's roll some dice. Uh, I would like to roll negotiation. Is is Cecile rolling for or against? <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> I'm going to abstain. Uh, any modifiers for negotiation? Only what you ha would have normally. Okay. Wow. I did not do well on that. I I am going to edge that to re-roll it. That's probably a good decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn, she really is a people person. In there? Yep. yep. She's magic. Should, should I roll 
two more dice, or should I re-roll entirely with plus two? Um, up to you. Whatever I'm you feel would be a better outcome. Re-roll with plus two. Five. You you get to keep the hits from the first one. But uh, you, you, we keep the hits and we add dice, or we just add dice rather than keeping the hits? For re-roll, you just re-roll non-hits. I can check that, though. It's still going to be very large. All right, so you have five hits. Yes. Prokop has five hits. Mm-hmm. So Prokop says, well, I think I think you're underestimating how, not lucky, good planning and, and skill on your part helped, but how dangerous George Van Housen actually was, or could have been, if you hadn't if you hadn't been so arrogant and you hadn't planned so carefully. Um, I paid you 15000 for his capture and interrogation because I understood the threat that he actually posed. Mm-hmm. And I believe it commensurate with a potential raid on this warehouse alliance to extract a, another individual. What I will offer in addition to the 15000 is the, the weapons that I lent you for the first run. I think acceptable. Indeed, acceptable. Fair enough. And for the information, I won't charge you for the additional work on my part. He chuckles. Non-precedential, of course. In any case, I am going to go to some bed up in the Semivar. I will be back at some point. Cecile leaves. <laughs> Prokop looks at the rest of you guys sitting around and says, you know that you can't keep staying here if you're working when I mean stay here, I don't mean you can stay here, obviously, and as we sit here and enjoy the music, but the Samovar can no longer be a, a safe house. We understand. Would you be willing to aid us in the location of this? See, my resources have been strained recently by factors related to this mission. Ah, yes. I can probably set up another safe house for you. Do you wish your that? Would you like it to come out of your cut, or are you, or is the team going to pay for it? Okay. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be functional and safe. Which part of town would you like it to be in? What's Tacoma like? Tacoma is the docks um, south of Seattle proper. Tacoma. Away from the docks, if possible, but I understand. Okay. So um, the uh, the tea house that you guys like to go to is in uh, is in Tacoma, as is Samovar. Lay, what was the tea house's name again? Uh, Olga's, right? Yes, Olga's, Olga's tea, tea house. house. So that's in Tacoma as well. So he said, I I will start looking for a safe house for you, Boxer, in Tacoma, and I will let you know when I have found a suitable location. Thank you. There's a further matter I'd like to discuss privately at your leisure. Well, speaking of matters that need to be discussed in private... I believe that my payment needs to be finished. Yes. As a matter of fact, I've already started working on that. Thank you. Um, and there is some, uh, I might have found something out, which may be of interest to you. And if you would like to make, keep it private, then I will send you the information privately. I'm very interested. Please send me the information. I will assure that Cecile does not overstay her welcome. Well, it's going to be, uh, well... Good luck. He looks at you as as you guys are finishing up, and he's sort of now noticing the mess that he's made of his shirt. He's sort of brushing it away with a napkin. He uh, says, "The uh, you're welcome to stay, obviously, at the bar. It's just I don't want the samovar to become a place where people, if you know what I mean. Understandable. 
And at that point, the uh, the Sasquatches are finishing up their set with some with a sort of a ululating crescendo, mixing in the sounds of falling boulders and birdsong. And uh, the few remaining patrons are clapping. They're obviously aficionados. And the Sasquatches make their way off stage. Nightingale has uh, completely disengaged, tuned out from the conversation as the, the music starts. Well, the music, their, their racket comes to its crescendo. And as they uh, begin to descend off of the stage, she pulls out a piece of paper and scribbles something onto it, her comm code. And uh, just breaks away from the table and goes to try and meet them and pass it off and just say, hey, um, I would love to be able to ask y'all some questions before scampering off without anything else other than that. Okay, so you 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 make your way forward through, at this point, like I said, a very, very sparsely populated bar. Most people don't seem to be paying you much attention. And the Sasquatches are heading backwards behind the stage. So you... You jump up onto the stage and and follow them. Um, the spotlight follows you across the stage, and as you reach the uh, the curtain where they are exiting, the one turns around, having noticed you and or heard your your footsteps or the sound of your hoofs on the stage, your hooves on the stage. And this particular Sasquatch is a uh, is fairly tall, even for a Sasquatch, and his his fur is a uh, or hair is a very deep golden red color. And he has uh, has them tied down in sort of a uh, a ridge row down his back with uh, some colorful clips. And as you get closer, you see that each of those clips is holding a small piece of paper with a with some arcane symbols on it that you don't recognize. And he looks at you approaching, and he smiles, and he starts to uh, to sign to you, similar to the way that uh, you have uh, signed and texted with uh, Miss Magnumfoot. It is greeting. It is a greeting that that you are familiar with. Hi. Um. Uh. I. And she. She kind of like looks like glances aside for a moment before just offering up the little little note with her com code. My my name's Night Nightingale. I I guess. Um. I I would love to be able to ask uh write y'all and ask some questions about your troop and um Sasquatches in general. I suppose he uh, he takes a knee in front of you and kneels, sort of leans forward and takes the uh, the takes the note and looks at it and smiles at you and then he makes some sounds that you aren't able to interpret but you can tell that he is uh, that that is an affirmative and uh, he reaches out a, a hand and sort of pauses to gauge your reaction before uh, before patting your your mane. Did you do you surprised. give him the idea not to or? Uh, she just let him, but she would be like surprised what he actually does. Because his pause was sort of a, he was first gauging your reaction to see whether you were okay with that. He's fine with it. Seeing no no hesitation, he he pats your mane gently and then smiles again and stands up and and follow and follows the rest of his team or his group out through the uh, through the back of the, the stage. Yeah, she wishes them a good night and then crosses over the stage again, this time um, pulling her collar back up with her magic as she does. And the spotlight follows you again and people, some people in the crowd cheer and clap. <laughs> she feels very self-conscious as she like drops down uh, off of the stage and into the darkness and then like promptly like skitters away back to the party. All right. What are you guys going to do next or do now? 
I'm assuring that Cecile does not overstay her welcome at the same level. Oh, she'd probably sleep overnight. Not She's not staying an entire week or anything. Oh, no. Deandre was just going to, like, find the room where Cecile was staying sure. her address on a note and shove it under the door. I don't because imagine Cecile keeps her doors locked. Deandre is old. Old oh, lady woman. Old Where school. did you even find a pen? Old school. Did you just have one? Yep. The horse has one. Okay, so you've you've slipped some kind of piece of paper underneath Cecile's I, I think Deandre would try the door, realizing it open, and then just come in. Deandre is old. Cecile's sitting on her bed, doing Deandre something. Deandre doesn't knock. Deandre is fucking ancient, apparently. Okay. Knock. Cecile looks at you, confused. Cecile. Um, Skillful has, Prokop has informed us that... He would like it if we were to stay, um... Other places, places. yeah, I was already planning on that. I would like to extend a welcome into my home if you would like it. Oh, where do you live? Auburn. Where in Auburn? I tell her the address in Auburn. It's like a apartment building in Auburn. Hmm, I'll keep it in mind. However, I was planning to live somewhere a little bit different. Although, let's look into it. The whole fake ID thing is frustrating. Mm. I love how she's already thinking about, like, oh, I'm obviously going to be living at your place if I go over there. You're not inviting me for a few days, no. I don't think you understand how, like, zero fucks Cecile is. I don't. <laughs> oh, you're inviting me into my ha- into your house? Sure, I'll crash. And Ninja never leave. Pulls out a pen and a pad of paper down her that does Oh, hold on. She does what? She pulls out a pen and a pad of paper, writes down her address, and hands it to Cecile. Cecile, like, grabs it with by, like, the edge, the same way you would something that's dirty, and goes, Ah, thank you. Well, I will be seeing you, apparently. And Deandre wheels around and walks out. Take care, Deandre. When Deandre isn't looking, Cecile puts it down somewhere. Oh, I was expecting you to say, like, bitch underneath your breath. See, that is not something Cecile would do. That's how people react to Cecile. You're going to get confused. Ah, uh, you're right, you're right. That, that, that experience was Deandre attempting to be polite. <laughs> do you want to try rolling etiquette? No. You didn't even curtsy in Cecile's presence. Like, two out yeah. of five for effort. Let me explain this in a way that Cecile can understand. <laughs> Dindre is technically a ranked noble in Karasir. She would not bow to anyone guess, that isn't. I guess. Cecile isn't that self-absorbed. At least not yet, anyway. Oh, yeah. Yo, once she gets tenure, oof. God. Wait, and the the horse, does the horse know that Dindre is actual nobility? Probably not. Huh. It's not like Dindre's the sort of person to flaunt it. Dindre is a knight, technically. A demoiselle. Uh, so, like, she's not a peasant, is the, like, distinction, I guess. Oh no, Cecile likes you. She's not a commoner. Peasantry is a class, whereas nobility are titles, at least in the modern day. D- don't, don't misunderstand me. Cecile does like Deandra. It's just, how do I put this? She likes you more than other people, but that's not very much. Yikes. Yikes. Um... Other than that, I think Deandre would just probably go home and make sure her apartment isn't a mess. 
All right. So Cecile's sleeping at Samovar. Dinder went home to her apartment. And so that leaves Boxer and Grace. For a minute there, I was a little bit worried. Then I remembered that. I was like, wait a minute. Is that the whole team? And then I was like, oh, yeah, Ice is still at the bar. Grace has expressed interest in uh, equipment, right? I remember that. Or am I confusing myself? Equipment. And um, yeah. Yeah, she did. In that case, Box is going to approach her. Well, Ice said that there's still some business. Well, I suppose I can conduct that over calm. Nightingale would come back at his leisure. Eventually, you know, fairly shortly, actually. What, what was that? What would ice with ice? Uh, Procops. She told Procops to approach her about her other requests requirement at his leisure. So, is that something you're doing tonight? Well, it's at his leisure. She left it to him for him to approach with the understanding that it is a condition she needs met. Um. Yeah. So he probably, as you guys are are sitting there waiting. Or finishing your drinks or your coffee, and Deander has gone off to find uh, or speak to Cecile, and um, Grace went up on stage to talk to the to the Sasquatches. He probably looked over at you and said, "Well, um, it looks like we have a few minutes if you'd like to discuss your uh, your private matter." Indeed, I have come across recently an unexpected operating cost. Not in the conventional currencies, but rather want to be paid in more mortal matters, more mortal ways. My former employers, if you are aware of them, are you aware of them? You seem to have your influence pretty well spread. I have some inclination, though I have not let's say, overstep the bounds of privacy, but I do need to know, obviously, who I'm working with. So I have the rough outlines of your situation. Will you know the arrangements that uh, I was allowed to make so generously? I assume not. (sighs) There is a task. I will require aid in meeting. You are aware, presumably, of my background with Astalan. Ah, background with Astalan. Yes, I do believe I recollect the history of your previous employer. I will have. I have an operation relating to them. It is (laughs) their condition for my continued existence, and accordingly, it is my condition to continue working with you for reasons I do believe are obvious. Hmm. I will require aid in this. Well, I don't see why I wouldn't help you with that. You have everything to gain. Not many people can claim to have someone from that organization. And even if I am not so connected as I could, well, I think you're well aware of how this matter works. Right. And I am trying to set up a new team here. And obviously, being in the good graces of your previous employer would be help you to maintain that relationship. Um, also, there may be an opportunity to combine it with business of my own in south of the border. We may be able to kill two birds with one stone. So you see how this could be lucrative for you, a worthwhile pursuit. Indeed. One in which we both win. 
Well, while we work on, while you work on the, this rigor mortis extraction, um, let me gather the information for this other job that I had on the back burner. And then when we're in the clear with, uh, with rigor mortis and ice, then, uh, potentially we move on this job of yours. Thank you. No worries. I'm, uh, don't generally operate the way most fixers do. I have a bit more of a interest in maintaining or opposing the corporate style of doing business. Well, you find me amenable, so that's method. Thank you. At that point, uh, so Deander, you've left to go, on, go home. Yes. Grace, you're back. Um, so Grace and Grace and Boxer, what are you guys doing now? Uh, now that uh, Boxer doesn't have anything else to discuss in the Sampavar, she's going to turn to uh, Nightingale and offer her, well, <clears throat> Nightingale, you've spoken previously on your about your need of equipment. This is a need to be shared. I do believe you can benefit by <laughs> a shopping trip. Do you say girls' night out? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, really? Like, where where can we even go for something like that? I am sure it would be online shopping, I'm afraid. Ah, oh, okay. Don't worry, we can go for year, and she says it with air quotes. <sighs> it's another point. Well, now if we need it. Actually, and then she kind of like uh, jolts when she says that. Actually, uh, I've been doing some theory crafting about that in Shiam goes and reaches into her bag and pulls out a, uh, a heavy, what looks to be leather-bound grimoire with, like, pages that don't quite line up in length and width and size. It looks very uh, amateur and also very old, but, like, old in where it originates, but not in its actual age. And she, uh, she flips. I've been thinking about how to bypass the whole, you know, uh, not being able to go out in public and function and whatnot thing. Um, both in where, where I come from and here, mages are able to manipulate their their form, both literally, like, the actual structure as well as what people... And yes. I know that mages can take on the form of animals, of simple beasts. I've... I'm wondering how complicated it would be to take a, say, hermetic spell for shape-changing into, say, I don't know, a gorilla, and retool it to allow me to take on the form of a metahuman. It'd be possible, I suppose, but I'm hardly an expert. I'm not magic, are you? It'd be I better off asking... But I was remarking on it because I wanted to share, because I have I felt incredibly intelligent when I thought of it. It is quite clever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's irrelevant. Um, if you can help at a later date, I'll tell you. I'm excited about it, I guess. Uh, yeah, shopping. We can do shopping. I, I happen to have a lot of money. Is that so? Yeah. All right. So you Let's guys are going to do some shopping? Yep. That'll be probably behind the scenes. Anything restricted or? Oh, yeah. But I have a, uh, what's his name? Kuri for that. Hey, Paul, tell me. Would a middle-class lifestyle require a background check? Depends on the middle class. Uh, I'm guessing potentially, yes. So, Boxer, you're going to have a uh, you're going to have a fixer or another contact try to find the gear for you. Yep, could he? 
should we just say it's safe to say that everybody basically goes and finds a place to sleep and considering it's evening time now, mm-hmm. Grace, are you, is Grace headed home to Pines? That's a long drive. And Prokop wasn't exactly specific about when they needed to get rigor mortis. No. Pretty sure there this was... is an open-ended assignment. Yeah, actually, you don't know where Ice has gone. La- last we saw, he was drinking. I don't care what's happening to that guy. He's a weird man who nearly threw out his back punching people. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he has an interesting method. My spirit friends thinks he's a dork. All right. So what are you guys doing next, if anything? Um, Cecile, can Cecile just walk up to Prokop at some point? Oh, what was our karma reward? It was five karma. For this, so there, too? No, there was no additional karma. I basically rolled that all together. You, you got your karma before the money. That explains it. I was wondering why I was so high. Yeah, you can probably arrange that. Rock up. Yeah, let's say it's uh, the next morning and uh, you find Prokop down in the, the kitchen dining room area having a cup of coffee and a, a uh, bagel with uh, what looks like some kind of smoked fish on it. Rock up. I must ask you for a favor. He looks up at you. Ah, another one. This one is relatively small. Do you know who I to whom I would speak in order to get a um, less than accurate identification? Fake ID. Yes, that is part of my repertoire. Perfect. Uh, obviously, I shall need one or two if I'm to exist currently. I shall pay for them myself. Do not worry. Right. Well, how uh, how effective would you like these to be? As effective as possible. I may also contact one or two people I know in order to, for, say, other purposes, get some background information changed if somebody's doing a background search, but you needn't worry about that. Uh, it'll definitely need to at least match my broad description and height, ethnicity and all that. Fairly high quality ones, let's say. Okay. Uh... Out of character, that's five or six. Cecile doesn't fuck around. (laughs) So what name would you like it? In. Oh, Cecile doesn't care. He looks at you. When you say something like that, he looks at you as if to say, oh, that. So you would like me to select a name for this? Oh, boy. <laughs> Cecile has a look of realization and goes, ah, I see what you mean now. <laughs> He's the immigrations officer at Ellis Island. <laughs> he is your god now. <laughs> no, no, no. I shall... Uh... I shall send you something once I select one. I assumed that was something the uh, identification makers would do. Like, they just had names lying around they pulled out of a hat, so to speak. They might, but usually they will ask you what you would like, because then it will be easier for you to remember. I shall choose something then. However, I'm rather attached to my own name, so I don't care that much. So you would like a fairly stout new ID. Just one? Mm, Two. Any licenses that you would like to go along with that? Well, clearly they shall need to be um, cleared for magic use. That that would be ideal. He's uh, writing this down as you're speaking on a napkin that he has in front of him on the table. Mm, perhaps concealed carry as well. Prudent mm. in your line of work. Indeed. He grins have again. Them, if it's possible, have them have some vague connection to some... A uh, scholarly magic program or something, you know, some 
defunct uh, research company that went out of business five years ago, but their records aren't up to date, that kind of thing. I Just see. To cover bases. Okay, sure. Thank can, you, uh, We can get that set up. All right, so Boxer's going to do some shopping. She's getting ready to put together a shopping list for me. Cecile's looking for new IDs, new SIN. Actually, that's one of the things Prokop would have asked. Would Cecile, Cecile looking for a SIN, SINner, or a SINless? Or... Cecile is looking to have a SIN, yeah. Corporate fake SIN, but yeah. Corporate SIN, fake corporate uh, SIN. That's fair. Let's go for corporate. One corporate, one CIS. I shall also probably, once this is, this is over, send you some searches and stuff Cecile does. But I don't want to slow the game down with like... Yeah, so tell me more about these people. Okay. What Cecile would have been doing last night is she probably would have been getting her affairs in order. And for the beginning of this day, after going through her morning routine, she probably spent like 100 million on that. I'm not going to track it just because I don't want to keep track of Cecile's hair supplies. Well, it's included in lifestyle costs. Yeah, um, that is true. I so love that for a daily though. Said that like out loud. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to track her beauty care. <laughs> so then, Cecile, what Cecile would have been doing is probably. Hmm, I'm gonna say she was going to try to get into Warehouse Alliance, their network. Um, DeAndre probably has to go meet her. Her, uh, let's see. Uh, what's his name? Ocean. Nope. It's Niall. Uh, Niall for, uh, lunch or whatever. Because, uh, that's what her, like, deal was for him telling her about, uh, what, it, what was it? Uh, Knight Errant moving in the area. Okay. Uh, tell me about Niall. Uh, he's a beat cop from Auburn. Uh, he's probably Knight Errant. He's a young elf. Uh, He's um, kind of a quiet person, but like I think I think he met he and Cecilia and Deandre probably met shooting around in Seattle at like the, in like an elf district. Okay, so both you and Boxer have beat cop contacts in Auburn. Interesting. Yes. What if they're partners? Oh God! And they were partners, and then they were the best of friends. All right. What kind so, of partners, do you mean, huh? Smile. Take it however you like. Unfortunately, Vicky is one hundred percent straight. He has a wife and kids and everything. <laughs> All right. So, Deandre meets Niall um, at some point here after that final conversation with Procop. Um, say you meet at like a uh, a street food place that you both uh, often meet in Auburn. It's probably like street noodles. Yeah. You guys are. You guys meet at. at a noodle place. It's not actually a place. It's sort of a, it's not a food truck, but it's more like a, uh, a cart that the, uh, the old lady tends to wheel around the, uh, the neighborhood and, and she knows where all the spots are, where the local businesses let out for lunch. And, and she tends to be there at the right time and she does a pretty good business. So you guys sort of disappear into the crowd. You aren't as noticeable there. That's why you usually meet there and the food is good. And uh, so you guys are, have got your bowl of noodles and you're back by the uh where the cruiser the night errant cruiser is parked and the bike's parked next to it and you're both sort of leaned up against the hood of the cruiser talking so what are you uh what are you talking to Niall about um i think i'm i'm probably warning Niall. i'm trying to keep him 
from getting involved in like whatever anti Shadowrunner beat cop uh alliance uh, our boy uh what's his face made anti you mean George Van Housen George Van Housen's uh whatever like oh the Shadow Riders yeah if the Shadow Riders had come back trying to just like keep him out of that I guess. He looks at you when you bring up the Shadow Riders. He sort of looks at you and gives you a funny look. Shadow Riders were that's uh, Shadow Riders was a uh, was a Lone Star thing. bunch of uh, bunch of vigilantes who sort of went off reservation and started doing uh, street justice. Well, I would say that vigilantism is uh, abnormal for uh, Corpsec, but I would be wrong. It's one of the reasons uh, Silverhand tried to get him out of Carcier. At least, that's what he said. Hmm. You know how that went, right? So you think there's something going on now with Night Errant? Something Maybe. similar? Um, you, you know what I've been doing, right? I've been trying to find my brother. Yeah, you've been looking for your brother. Well, he wasn't involved in the most, let's say, moral of um, lines of work. And it seems like um, the people that weren't in his contact but knew of him are stressed out about, well, the police. Or the corpsec. And more than usual, it seems uh, like there's more friction between the the legs of the underground, so to say, Knight Errant. So, out of character just for a second, um, give me a little bit of background on, on what you're trying to tell him. What are the dots that you're trying to connect here? I, I'm trying to get him to realize that even if he thinks he's helping people doing something like going out and killing a bunch of shadow runners would just get another. Okay. So you're basically trying to sort of not necessarily mechanically game mechanically, but you're basically doing sort of a judge intention kind of thing on him where you're, you're sort of feeling him out, seeing where he's going, making sure that he's not part of anything like this and sort of like laying out that that might not be the best choice. Okay. He's uh he's looking at you. Like he doesn't understand why you're, you're telling him this, um, not necessarily offended, but at the same time, he's he's sort of surprised that you would actually bring this up to him, and also looking at you, wondering maybe what you've gotten yourself into. He says, "Well, I'll I'll take that under advisement, but it's sort of an odd thing to be saying to me, especially coming from you, Dindir." Well, I know I'm probably not the best person to hear this directly from, but it seems a waste if you were to end up in a, a ditch somewhere. That's well, what I think, at least. I don't intend to. And I'm not trying to threaten you. I, I'm I'm just blunt, I guess. I'm having a hard time recently. If you were to hear of any such activities going on, I would hope that you would feel comfortable coming to me with them and uh, letting me take care of them within the uh, underneath of the umbrella of Knight Errant so that, uh, well... I am actually loyal to Knight Errant, so if I if there is something untoward going on within Knight Errant, I appreciate the opportunity to clean it up internally rather than having it uh, leaked to the media and being used against us. I'll do my best, but I don't have the best um, appraisal of Knight Errant's morality, so to say. It seems more like they'd be willing to defend someone, let's say someone who is in a position of power within the organization, than even if they were committing something that was heinous or wrong, then trust even old woman like me. Let's uh, wait. Are they sexist? 
No, she means someone who she means something. Make mm-hmm. a make an etiquette roll with your with your security adding your security skill. Your your what was it you had? Uh, security companies night errands. Yes. So I just rolled uh, night that with charisma because I don't have anything in etiquette. So two two hits. Yeah, you think that you you've got your point across decently. Um, Although you think you may have come pretty close to not offending him, but sort of, you know, maybe hurting his pride a little bit. He is, after all, he is a corporate employee and a corporate, even though Knight Aaron is the police, they are still a corporation. So he's still got that internal loyalty, which probably is a little bit stronger than his loyalty to you. But he wasn't necessarily open to hearing bad things about Knight Aaron, but he took the opportunity as such when you, when you said that, that if you had found anything out, he would uh, he would like the information. I still do think they treat you better down in Karasir. The pay's got to be better down there, at least for <clears throat> someone with your talents. Well, that's the thing, Dander. This is where people actually need me, though. There's a difference between the people that need you and the people that both want and need you. Fair enough. And I mean, you probably don't want to hear it from me again. I was here, or at least I was in Seattle um, in the early days. I don't know if anyone's, uh, well, someone's obviously told you, but during goblinization, they locked up everyone who had anything to do with even a goblinized person. Yeah, well, I remember, I remember the history, dear. I don't, I remember the history, but bad shit um, happened, bad dreck happened to just about everybody on those, in those days. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest, some of the uh, sort of the elven chauvinism that's going on right now sort of gets stuck a little sideways in my craw. I can understand that. This neighborhood here in Auburn, this is just working class folk. Usually there's no no friction between elves, humans, dwarves, trolls, orcs. Everybody's just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, making that paycheck. Anyways, he finishes up his noodles. That was an interesting talk. Let's uh, let's make sure we keep it up. We should. And, uh, <sighs> How about you pick the place next time? I know we both. I know you don't necessarily like a Madame's noodles, but they're a simple joy, I think. No, I like them fair enough, and I also like the fact that it's a pretty anonymous place to meet. So, but sure, maybe next time we go uh, find another place. Yeah, that'd be nice. You take care of yourself, Dean Dare. If I hear anything about your brother, I'll let you know. And if Please. you hear anything about that other thing, you let me know. I will. He sort of tips his hat as he gets into the cruiser, and uh, I think Dinder does actually bow to Nile. Yeah, that's probably when he sort of does the same and sort of tips his hat to you. And he gets in his cruiser and sort of rolls out of there, blipping the lights briefly to, uh, to clear a path. You know, because cops, no matter what, are going to use their power. Yep, I think Dinder just kind of sits on her bike and waits for uh, Madame to move her stand away uh or a, that's probably like an hour to when she moves to get to another uh spot for the lunch break i guess and she just sits there and watches the people move by so we uh we have to do i say have to obviously we don't have to but it, i think probably the next logical thing that's going to happen for the team is some matrix work with cecile sorry yeah. guys <laughs> 
Am I not allowed to enjoy listening to Cecile go through the matrix? You can. I just assume that you don't. It won't be two hours. No, it won't be two hours. Cecile isn't a good enough hacker. Listen, you haven't even started getting close to, like, ultraviolet nodes or anything. That's the real shit. When Cecile has to do combat with the nodes. The Topps Company, Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Topps Company, Inc. has granted permission to the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast in any official capacity whatsoever. The music for the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast was written and performed by Trace Mineral. The Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons License 4.0, meaning you are welcome to use the material as long as you give us credit.